Well, tomorrow, uh, weather permitting, uh, there may be flags and flowers and frisbees and floats and family activities of various shapes and sizes. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's the unofficial start of the summer season. A three-day reprieve to get caught up on all the work while you're not at work. That's still undone. And maybe yours is in the yard and it's lawn mowing or it's picnic or it's kickback or it's grill and chill or however you choose to spend tomorrow. Maybe it's a weekend of watching the grass grow or the Brewers and the Mets game or a chance to do things we usually don't have time to do. It is Memorial Weekend. But there's a whole lot more to it. Way back in 1868, John Logan was uh, the commander-in-chief of the reunified Union Army three years after the end of the Civil War had devastated our country. And he said and proposed that May 30th be a day set aside to acknowledge those who had given their lives in the Civil War. And so from that point then, it has grown into this recognition of appreciation for all those who have given their lives in service service uh, to our country, to keep our country free and the world at peace. And we know, and you know, that peace has a price. Would you agree with that? Anytime we know peace, someone has paid a price for that peace. Here are some of the stats uh, from some of the American wars uh, that I found uh, intriguing. As you see, the Civil War, by far and away, uh, the vast majority of those were not combat deaths, but uh, deaths related to disease and famine and all kinds of other circumstances. But millions have given their lives. And so I think it's important that uh, we do pause and recognize those who have uh, served our country in that capacity. And just to simply say thank you uh, once again, uh, Memorial Day is really to acknowledge those who have died for their country, whereas Armistice Day in November is uh, a day to give thanks for those who have or are serving, but I like to do kind of both and mix it up if that's okay. So if you have served in the military, uh, would you please stand? We want to acknowledge you this morning. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Please remain standing if you would. Yes. Wonderful. And now I'd like you to be joined by those family members. If you are here with a family member in the military, uh, son or daughter, brother, sister, mom or dad, would you please stand? Good, good. Uh, Honey, you can stand. (laughs) Uh, We've got skin in the game in this one. Our son is a major in the United States Air Force, uh, currently on active duty. So uh, it kind of changes perspective when you've got something involved, isn't there? Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you for your sacrifices. Adam Dumond, I'm asking if you would lead us in prayer. Uh, Just thanking God for the freedom that we have and for those individuals who have sacrificed much uh, on our behalf. Church, let's pray together, shall we?
Let's thank them one more time, shall we? You may be seated. Well, this is all in preparation as we recognize what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and the price that he paid for our freedom so that we can sing with great joy and great confidence. Our shackles are no more. He has broken every chain. Well, here at Southside, I like to think of every Sunday as a regathering of the family. So it's kind of a family reunion every Sunday, in a sense. Our focus today is just on a part of a verse from the book of Ephesians. In the years following Jesus' resurrection, then the coming of the Holy Spirit, persecution caused the church to grow and spread rapidly. What caused the church to grow and spread rapidly? What did I just say? Persecution caused the church to grow and spread rapidly. What if the church is not persecuted? (laughs) Yeah, it can get stagnant and stale real quick. Welcome to America. Welcome to America. Hmm. But Paul led three journeys into Gentile territory, and in those journeys he established churches then in the key cities of his era. And one of the most influential churches was in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. In his letter, Paul referred to the church as a body, a temple, a bride, a soldier, and a family. Here's Ephesians 219 that we'll be looking at this morning. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are members of God's family. In fact, I just want to focus on that one phrase. You are members of God's family. That good news? Yeah, it really is. You are members of whose family? God's family. Now, there are many nuances to the word family. For some here, when that word is used, family... It's familiar, it's warm, it's, it's comforting, but for others in this room, the term is filled with pain and regret and discomfort when I think about family. I get that, I get that. But here are some adjectives that modify family. So I thought about this. You've got the whole family, royal family, large family, extended family, same family, nuclear family, immediate family, the all-American family. Hmong family, Dutch family, Italian family, German family, whatever ethnic group you're from. Wealthy family, poor family, single family, one big happy family. Modern family, joint family, adoptive family, immigrant family, close-knit family, and really nice family, broken family, biological family, 
they're a famous family, traditional family, prominent family, foster family, respectable family, rich family, distinguished, close, dysfunctional family, Christian family, powerful family, typical family, on and on the list goes. I was having fun with this one, right? A lot of adjectives used to describe the word family, but just as there are some general physical resemblances among family members, so should there be general spiritual resemblance among the sons and daughters of God Almighty. So when you get a family picture taken, we can kind of get the idea, oh, they're from the same family. Whoop! Oh, we almost dropped sis, right? I like that one. Let's keep scrolling through these uh, because these were handpicked. That one's awkward, right? Uh, How many of you ever had a dog like that? Like, get off my leg, dog. We're trying to take the family photo here, right? And of course, a little more modern family for those of you that are into concealed carry, okay? It's an interesting world in which we live, right? Interesting world in which we live. I believe there also should be some general spiritual resemblances among those who claim to be the family of the Lord Almighty. So I ask you, uh, what are some of the common characteristics that you think should typify the family of God? Okay, this is your time. Let me get you started. Uh, members of the family of God should all hate sin and love God. Okay, I'll just kind of prime the pump for you here just a little bit. When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoice together. That's being a part of the family of God. Okay, now you give me some of yours. What should typify members of the family of God? Love one another. Pray for one another. Good. Forgive one another. Unity together in the family. Good. Helping each other. Accountability with each other. Good. Joyfully meeting together. Good. Mark? Honest with one another. Good. like it. Fellowshipping together. Good. What does the word fellowship mean, by the way? No, that's not the definition. That's the Greek word. I I asked for the definition. Yes, stop Googling right now. Stop it. What what does the word koinonia mean? Man, oh man, it's a tough crowd. Tough crowd this morning. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. It means life sharing, life sharing. And if you want to look at what that really means and how it plays out, uh, look at Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42, right? Good. What else? Having fun together. Having fun together. Coming from Judy O, that would make perfect sense. Yeah, I like that. Good. Worshiping together. Who do we worship? Him alone. Good. What else? Already said that one, Al. Wake up. <laughs> Worshiping? Okay, that's very close. I almost got you too. Okay, yes. Singing together. Oh, we'll take that one. Good. Not judging each other because... L- let me ask you this. How many of you are seated around some pretty weird people? 
<laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And we still love each other. Elizabeth? Oh, you were just stretching. Okay. Oh, oh, you're pointing out that your mom and dad are weird. Yes. Understood. Good. What else? Don't get to what? Ah, oh, man, that's, that's pretty good. Don't get to pick your family, do you? And I believe when you are part of the body of Christ, God puts you into that family for a specific reason. I agree with that. That's a deep comment, actually. Good, good. Uh, serving together, both one another and beyond, and our world, wherever God leads us to serve. I like it. Love unconditional, yes. Bear each other's burdens, good. Good. Well, I'll let you percolate a little longer. Let's see which ones. uh, Here's a couple that I wrote down. They all trust in Jesus as the only way to salvation. They all sing off of one sheet. They live by one playbook. What's the name of that book? Yeah, yeah. Like any family, there's got to be forgiveness. There's got to be grace. There's got to be connection together. And despite their outward differences, there has to be this kind of supernatural oneness of heart and character. I think we mentioned that with unity. Uh, Their joys, their sorrows, their likes, their dislikes, uh, they're all within reason. Even their personal preferences, their hopes, their fears. And yet all the other differences dissolve in Jesus. That's the body of Christ. That's truly the functioning, healthy body of the Christ. Now, some of the faith family are in heaven. How many of you have somebody waiting for you in heaven right now? Don't you just long to see them? And they wait. Others of the family of God are scattered across the globe, and they're worshiping the same God that we are, trusting in Jesus the same way that we are. All are running the race. All are fighting the good fight. All are dying to themselves. All are resisting the devil. All are sharing the Lord with those who don't yet know him. But one day, all the members of the family of God will be gathered together from the east and the west and the north and the south for this gigantic family reunion with the head of the family. His name is Jesus. And in his father's house, there are many rooms, lots and lots of rooms, and he wants his house filled. And we get to be a part of that. Now, are you a member of God's family? Are you a member of God's family? That's the question Michael posed. Now, let me just ask you this as a congregation. You help me understand now. How does one become a member of God's family? How do we get into God's family? You tell me. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Savior. Where is that found in the Bible? Accept Jesus as your Savior. It's not. We're chosen, okay, good. But how do you become a member of God's family? He chooses us. We didn't choose him, correct? We love because he first loved us. He draws us to himself, right? But does he do that with everyone? Whoa. He draws everybody, but we choose. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. So what does it mean to believe in the Lord Jesus? How do you get into God's family? To repent. To change your mind, to change the direction of your life. From what to what? 
two spiritual words. You've got to simplify it. From the world. What does that mean, from the world? <clears throat> Still. Man, I can't get my head around that. What do you mean, die to self? No, no, the terms are all right. They're all biblical, but they're a little too spiritual for your average American today who is not familiar with any of that language. Hmm? Okay, I like that word. I do follower okay but let's let's hold on adoption just for a moment I, I like that word because god adopts us into his family correct that one i get that one i can understand follow jesus what does that mean to follow jesus hmm? to stop being selfish now th- that gets down to a, a more simple level i like that uh do people generally acknowledge they're selfish some of you going, mm-hmm, some of you going, mm-hmm. And that's true. Some would say, no, I'm not selfish. But we all are. Okay, good. Keep going. Okay. Okay, in order to be saved, saved, saved again, that's a concept that is... Okay. Okay, good. So we need a Savior. So in order to need a Savior, I first have to acknowledge what? Okay, what is a sinner? Okay, has everyone here made mistakes in their life? That one I get. Okay, keep going. Keep talking to me. Okay, but that's good, but still stay with that for a moment. Okay, so now I know that I've done wrong things. I don't know what to do with those wrong things. So what do I do next? Repent again. It's too... Okay, don't use church words. Don't use church words. Stop doing wrong things. Start doing right things. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. And that's where we begin, right? That's where we begin. I'm aware that, whoa, I got some things wrong in my life, and my life's not complete, and uh, I've been there. Hopefully you've been there. And you say, whoa, something's got to change in my life because if it keeps going this way, uh, this isn't going to turn out so well. I get that. I get that. So then I have to repent. Those are good, solid words. Thank you for them. But we exist in this Christian bubble inside of these walls, speaking our own language, and the world out there is not grasping the concept because these words are used in different ways, in different contexts, and the meaning's changed. So we have to be able to tell people how to become a member of God's family without these super spiritual kind of words. We've got to simplify the language. What? Thank you. Thank you, love. Kind of simplifies things, doesn't it? Have you done some unlovely things? Do you want to be loved unconditionally? Do you have that need in your life? To know there's something that exists beyond this life? That it's not just for now in this moment? But there's something bigger out there than all of us? Okay, so finish this off. How do I become a member, a part of God's family? You're, by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of 
Okay. Good. And I think it's important that when we're dealing with people who don't know Jesus, let them read the Word of God for themselves. Don't preach it at them. Let them read it and absorb it. Let the words come out of their mouth. Okay. Good. And so we define those words, right? And then we just begin a process, don't we? For all have done wrong things and fallen short of God. Who does that include? Yeah. Yeah. And the wages of our wrongdoing is what? But the free gift of God is? How? That's correct. And God demonstrated that love that he has for you in that while we were still doing wrong things, what did he do for us? Yeah, yeah. And if that you agree with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus, and it is always about Jesus, right? You will be rescued. You will be rescued. It's not complex, but I want to make sure that we're using, number one, the word of God, but we're using language that people really can understand because it's getting more and more difficult because everybody thinks they're saved in this country or born again or whatever phrasing we're using. And so we want to be very careful about the words in the explanation that we're giving. And Marshall, it always has to be demonstrated by love. Is that correct? Because if we're acting one way and saying this to them, There is just a total disconnect of hypocrisy there that is uh, just making the gospel not quite as palatable as it once was in our country. So our walk and talk have to be consistent, and we have to be then the love of Jesus being lived out. 